Oh God, so here we are, stuck in Galaxy 3. A tiny rebel planet. So what do you have to say to us? The plague on the loose. Can you save us from this too? We humbly pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May I suggest to you that there are some stunning similarities between the Ebola virus and the virus of sin. This week, the United Nations convened an emergency meeting dealing with a hemorrhaging crisis, Ebola crisis in West Africa, three days ago from my newspaper, Dateline, the United Nations, the international group Doctors Without Borders. Are you, are you acquainted with Doctors Without Borders, this medical humanitarian group? The international group Doctors Without Borders warned Tuesday that the world is losing the battle against Ebola. Hmm. Doctors Without Borders, which has treated more than 1,000 Ebola cases in West Africa since March, is completely overwhelmed by the disease, says jo- Joanne Liu, the organization's president. Now, quoting Dr. Liu, physician, six months ago, six months into the worst Ebola epidemic in history, the world is losing the battle to contain it, she told the conference. She went on, Ebola treatment centers are reduced to places where people go to die alone, where little more than palliative care is offered. In Sierra Leone, she said, infectious bodies are rotting in the streets. Liberia had had to build a new crematorium instead of a new Ebola care center. The World Health Organization now estimates that there there have been already 3,000-plus cases of Ebola in West Africa, and since March, the confirmed number of deaths, 1,552. You can understand the urgency of the political leaders in that uh, region. The president of Liberia, her name, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, this week declared, and I'm quoting her from CNN, people now don't see this as a Liberia or West Africa crisis. It could easily become a global crisis, end quote. So may I repeat myself, there are some stunning similarities between the Ebola virus and the virus of sin. And I want to share them with you, just a handful of these. I want you to get them down. I want you to share them with others. I want you to cogitate, ruminate over this list. So pull out of your worship bulletin today's new uh, study guide. It's in your worship bulletin. Pull it out. We've got some friendly ushers ready to come your way if you don't have the study guide. Ushers, thank you. Just hold your hand up. Here they come up on the balcony. The same. Those of you who are watching, live streaming right now, we're delighted to have you or you're on television watching. Glad you're here. Let me put it on the screen for you. You can get the same uh, study guide. You see it there on the screen. Our website, www.pmchurch.tv. You're looking for the new series, Galaxy 3. This is episode two today. Galaxy Hot Zone, Ebola on the Loose. Seven similarities between the Ebola virus and the virus of sin. Let's go. You got them? They're coming your way. All right. Let's go. You know what? By the way, let me just say this. These similarities make you wonder if the same diabolical mind concocted them both. Makes you wonder. Similarity number one, jot it down. Both viruses have an incubation period. Right in the word incubation. Hot zone. 20 years ago, I read the book, New York Times, number one bestseller, Hot Zone. 
It's a scientific phrase for you are in the contamination now. You are in the hot zone. Explosive book, examining uh, two and a a half decades ago the Ebola crisis that broke out in Central Africa. So I pull the book back out and I'm reading. The plot opens. Let me just tell you this. The plot opens. You've got to read the book. Download it. Read it on your Kindle. The plot opens on New Year's Day, 1980, with a Frenchman named Charles Monet. They made up a name for him. Who takes an African girlfriend to visit Mount Elgon, a huge 14,000-foot extinct volcano in western Kenya. The author, this would be Richard uh, Preston, tracks this uh, Frenchman and his girlfriend. Could it be here? He, contra- he, he doesn't say a word, but could it be? Did he get it here? Did he touch a bat? What, what, what is happening? Eight days later, eight days from January 1, he's back at the sugar factory where he works, and suddenly his head explodes with this pulsating headache right behind his eyeballs. Incubation, now activated. Guess what? Same way with sin. Let me put this on the screen. Watch this. Incubation for sin. This would be the book of James, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. But one is tempted by one's own desire. Some translations render it by one's own lust. Being lured and enticed by it. Then when that desire is conceived, after a period of incubation, when that has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. And that sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. End quote. Both the Ebola and sin viruses incubation. Have an incubation period. Similarity number two, jot it down. Both viruses ravage the entire, the entire host organism. Preston describes Monet now with these symptoms, and they they are cascading. I mean, it's just exploding inside of him. He's so desperate, he jumps on a little commuter flight to Nairobi, Kenya. On the plane, he's describing the moment, the author is. Monet is holding an air sickness bag over his mouth. He coughs a deep cough and regurgitates something into the bag. The bag swells up. Perhaps he glances around, and then you can see that his lips are smeared with something slippery and red, mixed with black specks as if he'd been chewing coffee grounds. His eyes are the color of rubies, and his face is an expressionless mass of bruises. The red spots, which a few days before it started as little star-like speckles, have expanded, and his whole into a huge spontaneous purple shadow. His whole head is turning black and blue. The muscles of his face droop. The connective tissue, tissue in his face is dissolving and his face appears to be to hang from the underlying bone as if the face is detaching itself from the skull. He opens his mouth and gasps into the bag and the vomiting goes on endlessly. The air sickness bag now fills up to the brim with a substance known as the vomito negro or the black vomit. The black vomit is not really black. It is speckled liquid with two colors, black and red, a stew of tarry granules mixed with fresh red arterial blood. It is hemorrhaged and it smells like a slaughterhouse. Not a very pretty picture of the Ebola virus. Guess what? Not to be outdone. Here's the picture of sin. Book of Isaiah, chapter 1. Take a look at this. Put it on the screen for you. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers. The whole head is sick. The whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound, closed or bound up. They have, been, have not been soothed with ointment. Both of the viruses ravage the organism. An awful picture. Similarity number three, jot it down. Both viruses spread through contact. Well, that's not rocket science. 
By the way, come on, let's talk. How parochial our interest in Ebola is. I mean, they're having this, this medical meltdown of the crisis in West Africa, and we're chatting about it over supper and the, you know, the evening news, whatever. Then suddenly, three American missionaries get infected, and all the nation is watching. Here comes that helicopter. There is the patient. NIH, CDC, we're tracking. Will they make it? Will they make it? Hallelujah, they've survived. By the way, did this little sequence in first service. Somebody came up to me, Gordon Doss, from our missions, World Missions Department in the seminary. He said, hey, Dwight, do you know that there are two Seventh-day Adventist physicians right now in Monrovia, Liberia? Let me get, he sent me an email so I get the, the, uh, the information here. Jillian Seaton, MD, she's a surgeon, 30-something, single. She's in Cooper Adventist Hospital. By the way, one of the few hospitals left in Monrovia still treating regular patients. Practicing down in Chad, the, the nation of Chad, is James Appel, also an MD. He flies into Monrovia, into the hot zone, with this young colleague of his, and they will together keep the hospital going right now. You've got to take your hat off to all those medical personnel who step into the hot zone to save a life. Wow. Huh? Through contact, we all know. It just happens through contact. That's how the missionaries got it. Uh, by the way, sin is the same way. Put it on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and then also chapter 15. You must not associate. Watch out for what's contaminated. You must not associate. Don't catch this. You must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts character. You can get it by contact. That's the point. Ebola, sin. Similarity number four, jotted down, intervention protocol for both viruses includes isolation. Come on, we've been following the news. We know that isolation is the immediate response once Ebola is diagnosed, even for missionary doctors. Doesn't matter who you are. Put on that hazmat suit. Nobody gets near you. Everybody is kept at length. Why? Airlines, by the way, now are refusing to go into some of the cities. We're not putting our flight crew on the ground and staying in your hotel overnight. We cannot risk losing flight crews. Why? It's because isolation. We're, we effectively have quarantined that nation. It's just the same way. It's the same way with sin. Look at this. Put it on the screen. 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 10. Flee. Quarantine sexual immorality. Get away from it. Stay away. Flee from idolatry. By the way, do you know that God quarantined the entire planet? We saw that in a little uh, script just a moment ago. Quarantines the entire planet. Nobody in this planet. This planet is hot zone. Only celestial visitants in the order of angels can appear in this planet. Nobody goes out of the planet. Nobody else comes in from the universe. Quarantined. Similarity. Number five, jot it down. Both viruses carry a 100%. Fatality rate. If left untreated, you will die. Ezekiel, put it on the screen. Ezekiel chapter, uh, what is this? 18 verse 20. The soul that sins, the soul that sins shall die. 100% fatality rate. Keep going. Number six. And by the way, this one is fascinating. Listen to this one. Both viruses destroy the communication system of the infected organism. Researchers at Washington University Medical, uh, School of Medicine have, have discovered how the Ebola virus is able to ravage the human organism so effectively, and it does so through a little virus protein called VP24. 
What follows is so fascinating and so technical. Excuse me, but I have to read it. I got it from the motherboard news site. Listen to this. The Ebola virus protein in question is called the VP24. When Ebola enters an organism, VP24 binds to a protein in the human host known as the KPNA5. Now, the KPNA5's job is one of communication between the cells, which it does by taking signals in and out of a cell nucleus, like a messenger or a bus. Now, listen, listen. Proteins like KPNA5 carry all sorts of signals or messages, including signals to the immune system. Here's what happens. When the Ebola protein VP24 latches onto its messenger protein target, that messenger protein becomes unable to carry an important immune signaling protein called STAT1. You getting this? The VP24 binds itself to the same place the human STAT1 protein would, so it's like the VP24 is taking the STAT1 seat on the bus into the nucleus. It has cut off all communication. Help, help, we got a foreign invader. Not nobody hears a word. It has stopped communication. Sin does the same thing. Look at this, Psalm 66. Sin does the very same thing. Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The sin virus attacks the communication system, overwhelming the ability or the desire at times to even signal for divine help. And by the way, this is not God looking down and saying, you know what, girl, boy, you just sinned. That makes me so mad. I'm not even going to hear your prayers anymore. That's not happening at all. What's happening is, and you know this to be true, when you are involved in the hot zone of sin and it's going on, you have absolutely zero desire to talk to the universe at all. Why? It's just been shut off. Sin has just cut the communication ties and you no longer want to even talk. God say, talk to me. Just say the word. I'm in there. Cut off. Amazing. Stunning similarities. The same diabolical mind obviously concocted them both. The viruses. And finally, number seven, jot it down. Both viruses can be destroyed Hallelujah. They can be destroyed through a rare and costly intervention. Ebola, we know about. We're reading it in the news. This life-saving serum called ZMAP. But it is so rare, they will not have it for months, and people will die on this planet until they get it. How about the virus of sin? Any serum for us? Open your Bible with me to our theme book for this Galaxy 3 series. Open your Bible to the book of Hebrews. Let's go. Let's go right back to where we were last time. The opening salvo. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. You didn't bring a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you. You got your phone, you got your tablet, let's go. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. I'm in the NIV today. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Put it on the screen as well. In the past. Other translations say long ago. Long ago in a galaxy far, far away. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But, verse 2, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also, through whom also he made the universe. Verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. Stop it right there. There's that cryptic. I mean, this is a mysterious book. That's why we have a hard time even finding it in the New Testament. It's enigmatic. But what is that cryptic phrase, the purification for sins? What does that mean? I've got to tell you this. 
Hebrews, unlike the rest of Scripture, does not deal in, in, in forensic or judicial terms. You know that the Bible often uses the, 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 the language of a courtroom. So they talk about justification and righteousness and, you know, the judgment and all. Hebrews does not use that language. Instead, Hebrews has embraced cultic. That means worship. Cultic language. Hebrews uses the language of contamination and cleansing. That's what appears over and over. Contamination and cleansing. Yeah, but Dwight, what's this, what's this purification for sins? I mean, what's that really saying? This is what's fascinating to me. There are four verses in Hebrews, parallel, exact one-two sequence, just like this one. Three others besides this one. Let's find out. If we get, if we get all four on the table, we see it immediately. Okay, so you have this one. Jot it down. Parallel number one is Hebrews 1.3. Fill it in, please. The Son made purification or cleansing. See, it's not, it's not justification. It's purification. It's not pardon, it's purification. It's not forgiveness, it's purification. The Son made purification for sins, for our sins, and sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. I need to tell you before we go to parallel number two, the Greek word for purification here is katharizmo. It's a noun. It comes from the verb katharizo. It means to cleanse. Sometimes you use, this in a, you use this in a sentence. You know what I sat down? I sat down with her. We had such a great conversation. It was a catharsis. You ever use that word? It was a catharsis to me. It released emotions. It just set me free. Catharsis, that's, it's, it's from this word. Purification for sin. Peter O'Brien, let me put this on the screen for you, the Australian uh, commentator. Sin. You see that on the screen? Sin is regarded in Hebrews as defilement that is to be purged or cleansed. Would you write that word in? It's the language of contamination, defilement, and cleansing. By making purification for sins, the Son accomplished something which no one else could achieve. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Sin is this deadly contaminant. It's inside of us. It has to be purged. Unless sin is expunged, unless it's purged, cleansed, we die. It has to get taken out of us. That's the point. Okay, so there there, there are four parallels. Let's go to parallel number two. And I want you to look this up. Go over to uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 10. You'll notice this one-two sequence is common to all four of these. Let's, let's, let's put parallel two on the screen first, and then you can, you can fill, the, fill the blank in. What's, what, what are we going to find right here in Hebrews 10, 12? We're going to find that the high priest offered for all time one sacrifice for our sins, and then he sat down at the right hand of God. So let's just, let's just read verse 12, Hebrews 10, 12. But when this priest, this is the hero, this is the hero of the book, the great high priest. When this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins... He sat down at the right hand of God. So the first verse that we looked at says purification. Now this is, oh, but purification has to do with a sacrifice. Same one-two punch, by the way. He does this dramatic intervention, and he ends up on the right hand of the throne of the universe. He ends up on the throne. Same one-two sequence. Okay, here's number three. Jot it down. Number three. This would be Hebrews uh, 7. Put that on the screen and just fill it in. The high priest offered up himself. as a once-for-all sacrifice for our sins and was exalted above the heavens. So go back to, let's just read that. Verse verse 27. Unlike other high priests, our hero in this book, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered up himself. 
Purification, that's all we know about. Cryptic uh, phrase in chapter 1. Chapter 10 talks about, yo, this is, this, is a, this is a sacrifice. Okay, so we got purification. We know it's a sacrifice. We get to parallel number 3. It's a sacrifice of himself. And then the fourth one just kind of seals it. And I love this verse. Hebrews chapter 12. You love this verse, too. I know you've read this one in this mysterious book that we don't go to very much. Hebrews chapter 12. In fact, let me read the verse first. Then you fill in the blank. Hebrews chapter 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, the old NIV, the new one kind of ruined it. I like the old one. The old one says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Oh, I love that. Let us fix our eyes. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Purification here, sacrifice here. It's really the sacrifice of himself. When did it happen? It happened at the cross. Same one-two punch. Dramatic act of saving here. Second half of that sequence, you end up on the throne of the universe again. Jot that down. Parallel number four. Jesus endured the cross and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Same one-two sequence. The hero of Hebrews. (laughs) We're We're talking about the king of all the galaxies. The creator of this universe. The great I am comes down to this planet and provides the radical intervention to save the infected, contaminated human race. In fact, would you jot it down? It's kind of a summary of all these, all four of these. Through a once-in-eternity act of self-sacrifice, Jesus provided cleansing. Write that word in, please. Jesus provided cleansing for the contamination of sin and sinners through his death on the cross. And then triumphantly took his place on the throne of God as the Savior King of Galaxy 3 in the entire universe. I'm standing right here at the foot of the cross. We have this cross embedded in this platform. And the choir has just sung that moving out of the Holocaust, Holocaust, this song about even if I don't hear from you, when he's silent, I know he still is. Calvary is the absolute silence. It's not the Holocaust, the absolute silence. The greatest silence in the history of the universe was when God himself died and nobody says a word. I know, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I know in this darkness you were there. Wow. That's the whole point. So it was once once an eternity act of self-sacrifice, Jesus provided cleansing. You know what's so amazing about Hebrews? Listen to this. What's so amazing about Hebrews is that it actually touches the deepest longing of the human soul. The deepest longing, bar none. You say, Dwight, how do you know that? Because I read uh, William Johnson's commentary in the book of Hebrews. I'm going to share this quote with you in just a moment. By the way, he used to teach here. uh, New Testament scholar at our theological seminary. Adventist review editor for years before Evan's dad took over. So this is Bill Johnson, William G. Johnson. I put the words on the screen. This is, this is something. Students of the religions of humanity have observed the universal sense of defilement with which the sons and daughters of our first parents still struggle. Societies for whom the model of the law court may be foreign. Come on, you can't talk about law court in New Guinea. Nobody cares about law courts. Societies where that that metaphor may be foreign nevertheless have this sense of impurity before the Holy One. Keep reading. The French scholar, who, by the way, philosopher, Paul Ricoeur, has traced the language of confession among the peoples of the world. He finds that the most basic confession reducible to no other is this. 
I am dirty. I need cleansing from God. Write that down. That is the bottom line, desperate prayer of the human race. All cultures, all nations, all ages of time, they have always come to that one prayer. I am dirty and I need cleansing from God. Wow. How many of us woke up this morning? How many of us woke up this morning with a fist knotted and shoved into our stomach? This awful sense of guilt. We woke up this morning with that prayer, I am dirty and I need cleansing, oh God. How many of us will go to, go to bed tonight? Long after midnight, we'll go to bed tonight and we'll go to bed with this gnawing, choking admission. I am dirty. And I need cleansing from God. I mean, for this rebel race of humans like like you and me, contaminated and defiled with the virus of sin as we are, I mean, hopelessly sick, vomiting and vomiting. Proverbs says we are like dogs that go back to our vomit. We go back to the sin we left. We lap that vomit back up. How many of us, hopeless, dying in our sin, And the pure, can you imagine this? The pure, sinless, blameless, spotless, undefiled, eternal Son of God sees us wretched, steps off his throne, the throne above all galaxies. He steps off his throne. I can't sit here. I cannot stay here. The universe says, you can't, you can't, you're crazy. Hot zone, hot zone, stay, you can't go. I can't stay here. He comes, descends to this quarantine hellhole that we call home. He comes here. Becomes as weak and as emaciated as us. Willfully is contaminated with the Ebola virus. So he has it now. And with the last ounce of strength, he crawls up a a shaly hill and climbs up onto a wooden tree. And he dies. He dies to cleanse our guilty souls, to purify our dirty minds, to wash away our defiling sins. He dies. To answer our prayer, I am dirty and I need cleansing. Oh God, can you help me? My friends, that is the truth about Galaxy 3, where we live. That is the gospel according to Hebrews. That's the truth. And that's why you and I can come and kneel, guilty as we are, at the nail-scarred feet of Jesus today. This same Jesus, we, I am dirty and I need cleansing. Oh, God. We can pray that prayer right now. We can pray that prayer next Friday evening. We can pray that prayer right here at the foot of the cross. 7.30 next Friday evening in this place. Kneeling before this same Jesus in joyful Holy Communion, by the way. My friend Carl Hafner leading us all this next week, all this next week in a week of, week of prayer and spiritual emphasis. He'll be preaching next Friday night. We've been planning for a long time to have a campus-wide, a community-wide celebration 
of this God who came down and took on our wretchedness to have the serum now to save us. We'll eat his flesh. We'll drink his blood. These infinitely costly emblems of his sacrifice. A young friend of mine this week sent me, sent me these words from, the, from Desire of Ages. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. I want you to look at this. What's the big deal about communion? Listen to this. As we receive the bread and wine symbolizing Christ's broken body and spilled blood, Christ is set forth. When we're having the Lord's Supper, Christ is set forth, crucified among us. Looking upon the crucified Redeemer, we more fully comprehend the magnitude and meaning of the sacrifice made by the majesty of heaven. The plan of salvation, this rescue deep into the heart of galaxy three is glorified before us and the thought of Calvary awakens living and sacred emotions in our hearts. For listen to this, speaking of the the virus, for pride and self-worship cannot flourish in the soul that keeps fresh in memory the scenes of Calvary. Isn't that beautiful? The virus cannot survive when you're at the cross. It cannot survive. She, he who beholds a Savior's matchless love will be elevated in thought. And I love the word. Now here it comes. Purified. Cleansed. Purified. I'm contaminated. I am dirty. And I need your cleansing, O God. She, he who beholds a Savior's matchless love lifted up at the Lord's Supper will be purified, cleansed, and transformed in character next Friday evening, right here. You bring every friend you know, and let's go to the cross together. Get cleansed, contaminated no more. But you know what? You don't have to wait till next Friday evening to pray the prayer. You can pray the prayer right now. God. God, I've never come to Jesus in my life. I've never come to Him, but I need cleansing. I know all about guilt. I know what it's like to fall asleep with that knot in my mind and deep in my stomach. God, I need cleansing. I come to you as the Savior. You can pray that prayer right now. Why wait? You can pray that prayer right now if you once were with Jesus and then you walked away. You wandered way far away. And Jesus is saying, girl, boy, come back to me. I need you. I have this, I have the life-giving serum, or you're dead. Come. You can come back to him. You can follow Jesus, by the way, in baptism. Because you know what? When you're baptized, isn't this true? The water, the water just flows over you. And it's, just, it's like you're experiencing this cleansing from head to toe, just washed away. That's why Jesus gave us the gift of baptism. If you haven't been baptized, make a decision right now. In fact, take out your connect card. Let's do it. Take out your connect card. Let's, let's, let's make a decision, you, you and I. Connect card's in your worship bulletin. Pull it out. Guests, we have you here today. We're always glad to have you. You can fill this out. We do this every week. But if you just put your name and email address there, uh, if you need some material, put what put you're comfortable with, but especially your email address if you check one of these boxes. And then turn the box over. Next step. What's my next step today? Here are four suggestions. Number, box number one, I wish to accept Jesus as my Savior and receive His cleansing right now. You never come to Jesus before? Put a check mark right there. Through cyberspace, we'll give you, we'll give you a little video clip that will lead you. You can, go, you can start growing that friendship right now. Put a check mark right there. You've never come to Jesus? I was amazed with the responses last Sabbath. I'm going to do this every Sabbath. We're in the book of Hebrews. So you bring a friend. 
If you made the decision last Sabbath, you bring a friend next time we're together. You bring somebody. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. You just bring your friend. Box number two, I have wandered from my Savior, but I want to return to Him today. I want to come back. That's all you have to do. Just warm. You're back. How can I grow in Christ? We'll send you something. Box number three, I would like to follow Christ in baptism and experience His cleansing of my life. Three Sabbaths in November, 1, 8, 15. Baptisms, baptisms. We'll have as many. We'll take up as much time in worship. We've already worked with our choir director. Say, listen, we'll build, this, we'll build it around baptisms. We already have people saying, I want to be baptized. Next week, I'll put the dates in. The next time we're together, you just check the date. I, I'd like that date. Why put it off? Be washed head to toe. Number four, I'd like to celebrate his cleansing at the cross this Friday evening at communion. I hope you will be here with Carl Hafner and a whole bunch of us. It's going to be a, a moving time at the cross. Why wait? Why die? Why die when we can be saved? Let's pray. Oh, God, take these decisions. Take these choices, please. Kill the virus. I am dirty, and I want to be cleansed, oh, God. We pray that prayer right now. In that instant, wash our heart. Wash what's inside. Take the guilt away. Replace it with a peace that passes understanding. I I just got cleansed. I just got cleansed. God will no longer bring that up again. Father, we want that cleansing and that peace. In Jesus' name, amen.